0: You are listening to Natural Born Alchemists. Welcome to episode number 175 of the Natural Born Alchemists podcast. My name is Alex and I'll be your host. This episode is a request made by the glorious knights of the round table of the divine mystery over there at patreon.com forward slash alchemist. If you want to be a patron just sign up with a couple of bucks a month and not only will you get these episodes before everyone else but you'll also get access to a lot of other material as well and you will be able to control me and be my puppet master because one request that I got uh, by my patrons was to make an episode about out-of-body experiences and it so happens that an old friend of mine is an expert in this area, at least in my opinion. So my guest is Andrew and he has studied and practiced shamanic work for more than 20 years all over the world. His teachings and methods can be loosely defined as non-ceremonial hermetic shamanism and are based on the seemingly paradoxical premise that you cannot really teach anyone anything and that the best learning is often accomplished by unlearning. Andrew employs a variety of practices to assist his clients in healing themselves and advance spiritually. And... uh, Besides being an accomplished healer, Andrew is also a gifted lecturer and storyteller with a vast experience in leading workshops and seminars. You can check out Andrew and his work over at hermeticvision.com. So thanks for being on the podcast.
1: Hi, thank you for having me for the third, fourth time, but who's counting?
0: And for people who might not have heard those episodes, can you explain a bit about yourself and what you do?
1: Well, we did, I think, at least two one-on-one episodes in the past. One of them was uh, Initiation Through Hallucination. And the other one was The Hyperopia of Utopia. I think you have the numbers. And then I think we did some joint episode when we all recorded some stuff uh, in Amsterdam. Um, About myself, it's... I don't really like to define myself so much, but uh, let's say I've been exploring other realities for over 25 years now, and I've been uh, practicing shaman for at least 15 years, uh, which gave me a bit of a vantage point of personal experience uh, about what all these other realities and realms are about and how to navigate them, how to get to them in the first place. And uh this is also a good occasion to uh, emphasize uh, a few things. First one of them being that I don't really have answers. Okay, I I have replies, but I don't think there are really any answers out there. You can have your own answers, of course, but I don't have an answers and I'm not an authority except on my own experiences, which I'm more than willing to share with uh, your listeners, but they are not to be taken Uh, in a rigid dogmatic way they are not to be taken as answers only as my own personal replies. So I think that kind of clears the area a bit.
0: I've had some requests from the listeners that I should do an episode about out-of-body experiences and how to get there and what it means. And and, uh, you were the first person I thought about because I know you have some experience with out-of-body. Could you talk a bit about... For those that have never been out of body, what, 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 what's the definition of it and, and how you, do you get there with the basic techniques?
1: Okay, before I address the topic of out of body, I have uh, two things to say. First of all, uh, first thing that uh, somewhere uh, during this conversation, I will uh, share with you guys a very awesome hack. that can be used for hacking your own body, system, mind. Uh, for healing and uh, don't hurry to scroll towards the end because I may just say it somewhere in the middle so it's worth listening to the whole thing but it's going to be awesome and the second thing, the second thing I think that uh, everyone listening should ask themselves uh, why do you guys want to get out of body so much I mean you Alex uh, why would anyone want to go out of body I mean what can be possibly found out there that can't be found here
0: Well, uh, it's always good to get a different perspective on the situation you're in. And uh, anything that, you know, pulls the rug under your feet is always good. Because otherwise you might get stuck in your own narrow-minded ways.
1: Well, the question is, does it really pull the rug from under your feet? Because many people who are, for example, deeply religious... They have an out-of-body experience and, you know, they see God and they post YouTube videos that they went to hell and, you know, hell is real. Embrace Jesus now. And whatever belief system tends to be reinforced by just one out-of-body experience. So does it really pull the rug from under our feet or does it do the exact opposite? Does it reinforce the rigid dogmas and belief systems that we already have? That's an interesting question.
0: Yeah, I don't know. It's it's all indiv. It's, you know... Uh, that's an individual question, I think it depends on the person, if uh, if a person doesn't believe in out-of-body and then has one then I'm sure that's more earth-shattering than somebody who uh, doesn't believe that.
1: Yes, but in between we can have all the you know people who are just looking to further validate and they're practicing out-of-body and when they get there they got their belief systems reinforced, which is very possible. As I'm going to detail uh, into this podcast further into this podcast. So uh, my uh, my statement here is that uh, having out of body experiences or so-called out of body experiences—they're not really out of body—but we're going to get into that too—is uh, it's not a a formula or a method to, as you put it, to pull the rug from under your feet. It can do the exact opposite. It can only reinforce. Reinforce uh, a belief system you so uh, rigidly and preciously held before. So it's not necessarily a different view formula. It can be like more of the same formula. It's not a it's not a magical pill to for novelty. If you get what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, it's hard for me to say because I've I haven't had one <laughs> in the sense. Uh, of uh, enhancing it.
1: I'm sure you had many of them, you just didn't label them as such. Because there are many types of so called out of body experiences, and uh, basically everybody has them. We just tend to sometimes label them in different ways. Um, another thing I want to say that uh, the ability or the capability or the skill to phase out of your physical body doesn't make you a spiritual person, doesn't make you a spiritually advanced person, doesn't make you spiritually superior. You can be extremely skilled in out-of-body and still be a complete asshole uh, or anything in between. Um, One of my clients uh, once told me that one of his goals is to improve his out-of-body skills. And I asked him, why? Like, what's wrong with your world? And he said, I want to expand my... uh, uh, my my knowledge and my uh, acquaintance with other realities and other galaxies, and uh, I asked him, okay, uh, so when was the last time you said hi to your next door neighbor? And the guy replies, oh, this guy, I ignore him completely. <laughs> so uh, so I told him, so basically, you want to go out of body, out of body so you can expand your sphere of ignorance. I mean, if you can't say hi to your neighbor, what's the point to explore other? realities, galaxies, etc. Like, look at what's in front of you before you, you know, basically learn to crawl before you learn how to fly, Uh, or at least do them simultaneously. And this is the part where I'd like to go many years back to my first fully conscious uh, out of body travel or experience. It was amazing. It was groundbreaking for me. But just upon returning to my body to physical consciousness i had this voice or message in my ear that whatever i'm experiencing in this in these altered states it is not a substitute for me doing what i have to do in on the physical plane it can be an enhancement but it's not a an escape a place to escape to it's not a substitute it's not like magical uh, land of deliverance it's not a fairy tale it's not The promised land is just another realm, but as long as my focus, focus is in the, my anchor is in the physical reality, that's where everything should be applied. So out of body is a nice bonus, but it's not the promised land. So let's not put it on a pedestal, like we shouldn't put anything else basically on a pedestal. And we tend so easily to worship things and put them on a pedestal. like. If I could only go out of body, I would have the answers. I would be enlightened. I would be this and that. If only I could, if only, if, 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 if. Uh, But in most cases, the the biggest, you know, not answers, but the biggest replies, the biggest uh, enlightenment opportunities, they don't require any particular skills. They don't require of us to go out of body. They don't require of us to be super psychic. They don't require uh, of us to be unique in any sort of way. We are not as special as we'd like to think. Uh, and this being said let us move into the topic of out-of-body.
0: So, uh, so uh, w- you know maybe we should define it because what what is the difference between what people call out-of-body experience and uh, lucid dream?
1: Okay a proper uh, out-of-body experience, first I, w- I would like to address the term uh, You don't really go out of body as in having no longer a body, as in no longer having a body. You just uh, transfer your consciousness in a more subtle body. But as long as you can move, travel with your consciousness, you do require a sort of body. Uh, It may be the physical body, it may be a more subtle type of body like the astral. It can be an even more subtle type of body like mental, emotional, etherical. There are many names for that i don't care too much about names but everybody will only take you so far so in order to move even uh to even more subtle realms you need to shed the previous body and uh basically it's kind of a striptease show uh without the t's maybe you have to strip down more and more vehicles more and more uh, bodies uh the less the more dense bodies of course if you want to go higher and higher within the frequency spectrum of this reality so it's not just out of body it's out of many bodies in a way and even so you still have a body more dense or more subtle but you still need to use a body a vehicle for your consciousness so that's about the term out of body Uh, now what differentiates an out-of-body experience from a lucid dream or from a near-death experience or from other types of uh, phasing adventures, an out-of-body, a proper out-of-body experience is defined by its continuity of uh, the waking state. So basically, there is no break in awareness or in consciousness from when you uh, lay in bed until when you exit your body. Your consciousness uh, preserves continuity you don't fall asleep you don't lose consciousness you remain fully awake and alert and aware from the moment you lie in bed until the moment you leave your body you're traveling and then you consciously come back to your body and then wake up physically from your bed now that will qualify as a proper out of body experiences without any cuts in your awareness in your consciousness you remain fully conscious alert and aware throughout the whole process And this would define a proper out-of-body experiences as opposed to lucid dreams, which you often just wake up into them and uh, other so-called mystic phenomena when there's also always like a point where you kind of lose consciousness and then you find yourself somewhere else and you never really remember how and when you got there. You just wake up in the middle of it and there's the new reality, deal with it. But a proper out-of-body experiences is defined by uh, the continuity of uh, alertness, awareness, and consciousness. There is no break. It's completely continuous from the moment you leave to the moment you return. So that's the best explanation I could find so far.
0: I just thought of something. What about if you wake up in a lucid dream and you realize you're having a lucid dream and then you manage to remain conscious in the lucid dream until you wake up?
1: You still have one break between... uh, Falling asleep and waking up in a lucid dream, so we don't have full continuity. If there's even one breaking continuity, it's not a like bona fide out of body, you know, by the book <laughs> type of experience. The, the problem uh, with uh, lucid dreams, it's something I will also go a bit into. Uh, there is a slight difference between uh, out of body travel across various levels of density, which is what I referred to earlier as uh, stripping from the more gross bodies to the more increasingly subtle bodies. You're just going up the density scale or the vibrational scale. And uh, there's also interdimensional travel, which is a completely cup of tea altogether. And lucid dreams can often mix the two of them. You wake up and you don't necessarily wake up in the same reality that you went to sleep in. Okay, when we preserve consciousness and awareness in a proper out of body experience, then uh, we basically get to explore the base reality where we want to sleep and we return to the same reality. However, if we have a break in consciousness, we might get into a lucid dream and, uh, and find ourselves in a different reality, a different universe, or a so called different dimension, and somehow through a, another type of break in consciousness, we manage to find our way back. Not necessarily a proper out-of-body, you may in a lucid dream move to a different reality, a reality that exists or is only potential, or sometimes it's often a mix between your base reality and an imagined one that is not fully realized or manifest, at least not yet. So the things are very easy to mix. It's It's a very open-ended and not at all rigid. Uh, theme, the whole out-of-body, astral, interdimensional traveling thing.
0: So one question I got, we answered a bit of it already, but uh, the thing that's left is uh, what techniques or methods uh, do you suggest if you want to 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 have these experiences?
1: Okay, uh, as almost everything in this reality, it involves... Uh, manipulation and deception (laughs) and mindfuck, Uh, you have to deceive your body into believing that you are fully asleep, that your mind is fully asleep, where, in fact, your body goes to sleep and your mind stays awake. So you have to basically fool your body that the whole of you is asleep. You have to deceive your body into it. And there are ways to do that. You can do it by relaxing very deeply. This is the most basic method, you practice very very deep relaxation. A good place to start is the way I started with uh, progressive muscle relaxation. It's one technique when you go through all all your body's muscles and you contract and relax them uh, one after the other. You go through all the muscle groups and then you just relax, let go and allow yourself to just sink but keep your mind awake. And how can we allow our bodies to sink into sleep while keeping our mind awake? one trick that i used in my earlier days i invented a sort of mantra for myself that i'm gonna share with everyone here i just kept repeating uh, my body is getting heavier and heavier while i am getting lighter and lighter so i mentally created a, a distancing between me and my body uh, like this different terms for me and my body i distance myself uh, mentally and uh, archetypally from the body that contains me. And I also created a a process of physical distancing, like my body is going down and I'm going up. Or in my case, my body is getting heavier and heavier while I am getting lighter and lighter. And after practicing this for maybe a few days in a row, eventually it started to happen. My body indeed got heavier and heavier, almost like sinking into the mattress. And I began to feel lighter to the point that I could really uh, Basically, go out. So you have to create a differentiation between uh, between your body and the first mental blockage that most people will probably go through is to overcome the identification that you are your body. You have to realize that you are not your physical body, that you are more than that. That you just occupy your physical body currently, and you know you were there before, and you're gonna still be there after it. That 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 the opposite of death is birth and life has basically no opposite. Life was there before the body, life will continue after the body and birth and death are just two extremes on one spectrum. But they are not the totality of what is because life is what is and it has no opposite. The opposite of death is birth, the opposite of birth is death. Life is before, during and after, ever unchanging. And once you get this and you you are able to integrate this as a deep insight, as a a fully integrated insight, not just a belief that's external to you, then it becomes much easier to separate yourself from identifying with the physical body. And then the whole process becomes so much easier. Um, Other methods, I wouldn't really call them techniques, but uh, dissociation from the physical body can happen after Uh, Significant uh, traumatic experience, like uh, you know, loss, some severe loss of someone you cared about, or heartbreak or intense pain, it will create uh, a temporary dissociation with the physical body. I don't recommend to trigger those things, of course, but they do tend to happen regardless. And if they happen, they can be, they might as well be used uh, to have another body experiences. But I don't recommend to use those techniques, I mean, to just uh, initiate heartbreak or loss, just because it will get you out of body. Uh, But those things, nevertheless, tend to happen. So if they happen, you can use them. But if they don't, you can go the normal way and uh, accept the fact that you are not your physical body. You stop identifying with it. And uh, while practicing, you relax your body very deeply, and you start to mentally dissociate from your physical body. And you could use any mantra, any um, auto suggestion that of your choosing. I chose to use this phrase: "My my body is getting heavier and heavier, while I am getting lighter and lighter." And I kept repeating it for maybe days in a row until I finally made it out. It takes practice. It takes patience. It takes Perseverance, you know, the three P's, the universal three P's. But if you uh, practice, uh, persevere and have patience, you will eventually succeed. It's not rocket science, you know, as the saying goes. For some people, it may take days. For others, it may take months or even a year. But eventually, if you practice, persevere and have patience, you will succeed. I can't guarantee what you'll do after that, but at least you get out.
0: If somebody has out-of-body experiences every night will they stop feeling rested or th- does it uh, affect yours you know the point of sleep?
1: Uh, it's interesting having out-of-body experiences every night conscious uh, full out-of-body experiences with no, with no breaking and, and awareness they can at some point be tiring because you will not have the the benefits of REM sleep. So at some point it starts to feel like you never really sleep and you're always tired. So even if your body's awake, you don't get the chance to regenerate. So out of body experiences are good for adventures, but I wouldn't recommend them as a nightly practice.
0: Would you uh, make the comparison that you know when we die? Uh, if uh, indeed there is something after death, then that would be an, a, a, an out-of-body experience in the sense that there's no break in consciousness.
1: Exactly. Uh, I mean, there might be a slight break in consciousness, but uh, basically it can be very much compared to an out-of-body experience with, with the simple uh, difference that you just don't come back to the physical body, in which case you say, like, thank you very much for serving me for all these years. Uh and now I'm moving on, and you just don't look back. And by the way, that's why many traditions, they have this uh, this custom of uh, burning the bodies instead of just burying them, because if, you, if the body is burned, you know, like the, the Vikings that we both know and love, uh, I guess, uh, they used to burn the bodies. It reduces the temptation of the departed to come back and seek their bodies and, you know, try to reoccupy them. Unsuccessfully, of course, but some people just keep trying
0: could uh, could ghosts be people who are dead who are having an out-of-body experiences in the afterlife here
1: (laughs) so uh, Ghosts they can have an out-of-body experience if they're shed The ghost body into a for even more subtle one, but in the sense that you're talking about uh, Ghosts are already in an out-of-body in a permanent out-of-body experience and uh, and many of the apparitions that we see or the so-called ghosts are people who just departed and can't seem to be able to let go. They're trying to return to their um, bodies or they're trying to return to their uh, dwellings where they used to live. And um, some sad cases, uh, including some of my encounters, some people don't even realize that they died and they just keep hanging out in where they used to live and, they're trying to like uh, move, pick up objects, and they think that you know they're just old and senile, and nobody notices them. But they just don't get it that they have moved on. So uh, these are like particularly sad to notice, and uh, usually travelers can do something to to help to help them move on. And I also had a personal experience with that, but uh, it's very personal. <laughs> uh, but why can some of these so-called ghosts ghosts, um, be seen or even sometimes interacted with in this physical reality Uh, because when we die and go just slightly out of body or slightly phase out we are still very close to the physical vibration and the astral bodies are still very much electromagnetic in nature And I kind of found found this out the hard way. I was doing my out of body, practicing, traveling uh, one night and uh, I usually used to just leave the house through the wall or through the roof or through whatever. But this time I wanted to like pass through the door. And to my surprise, I was out of body and I would try to pass through the door and I couldn't. It was like a barrier. Like now, I, I wondered, like, what the fuck is wrong with this door? Why can't I pass through it? And uh, I just got stuck in there, a bit perplexed, and uh, and then I just moved more out of phase from the physical, like more, I distanced myself from the physical spectrum, and uh, and then I could move out easily. And when I eventually came back to my body, I found out that. Uh right next to the door, there was the main electrical panel, all the circuit breakers, like all the high tension was coming in from there. So it kind of acted like a shield, like an electromagnetic shield or even a sort of Faraday cage, um, which kind of blocked me from leaving through the door. Not because of the door, because uh, the whole electric panel was located just uh, by the side of the door. And next time I tried to exit from a different place, like through the wall, and it all went fine. So uh, there was electromagnetic interference, which kind of was a conclusion for me that the lower uh, realm of the astral is very electromagnetic in nature, which can actually explain many things, like the ability of lower astral entities to interact with physical beings, sometimes to even be seen under certain lighting conditions especially when there's not too much electromagnetic interference, which can also historically uh, explain why uh, we see so much less apparitions today than in the middle ages when there wasn't any uh, electric uh, current running through our walls. So it kind of makes sense, at least in my head. Again, please remember, this is not an answer, it's just my own version and reply. But I think it kind of makes sense.
0: So I have a question here from one of the listeners and I'll read it in full because it's hard to condense it. So it goes like this. Um, And maybe it's not a question, but this vibrational sound you hear when your awareness is someplace. I've heard it a few times when falling in or out of sleep. Recently in sleep, uh, I woke up finding myself just being in this OM storm. Everything was at a vibrational level and I'm in the middle of it, maybe even being it. I got some input coming from the right side. I tried to hear that input, so I listened closer to the right side, and it was a female voice saying, there is something you want to see here. I guess I freaked out and found myself in sleeping paralysis. Anyways, the buzzing on vibrational thing is really interesting. So I guess he's asking about uh, the sound you can experience, if there is any in this run.
1: Um, The vibration is something... Uh many many people experience in the process of detaching from their physical body and uh, it's basically a tension is being generated because of the phasing out it's like one part of you is is detaching from the other part and uh during this process of detaching a certain tension is being generated at, i don't have any fancy scientific word for it so i'm gonna just i'm just gonna say on a submolecular level or subatomic level uh, while not really having a, a clue what this even means, but I just want to say that on a very subtle level, there is some kind of tension being generated uh, throughout the process of separating the consciousness with its more subtle bodies from the dense physical body. So this tension is generated and uh, and the pineal gland becomes more active, at least allegedly, and uh, this Hormone is uh, generated that is usually very active during uh, death, birth and uh, near-death experiences. Uh, It's also very common during out-of-body. I think we're talking about uh, a very specific uh, type of DMT that the brain can generate by itself. So, when this hormone is generated and uh, the, the different bodies begin to separate, it creates a certain tension, and this tension we can actually sense it as a very uh, deeply penetrating uh, vibration throughout our entire body. But it's we don't really vibrate on a physical level. If an, if a, if somebody was would be watching us from the outside, they wouldn't notice us like shaking and vibrating. It's a very internal thing. It's very deep, and it's caused by the tension of just separating uh, two entities that are very used to be one and once the separation is complete the tension is gone and so are the vibrations about the sound for some people i've never experienced the sound but for some people the vibrations are accompanied by a very loud sometimes scary and roaring sound and the sound also tends to fade away once the separation from the physical body is complete so i hope this answers the question about the vibrations
0: he mentioned uh, in the question uh, an OM storm. I'm not sure what he meant about that.
1: I think it's a projection. I mean, uh, we gotta use a word, so uh, people like to using fancy words. So we might just refer to it as an OM. I mean, people, the, the word OM, like in in OM, is popular, so it's easy to associate the vibration with this OM storm. It's just a fancy word to describe to describe the same thing
0: and he mentioned also sleeping paralysis so another question is uh, how would you how can you stay stay cool when you get sleep paralysis I mean uh, that can be quite scary
1: that's a big one that's a big one that's what Robert Monroe uh, very well-known body pioneer and researcher he referred to it as the the fear barrier uh, I mean it's okay you uh, you you practice mind awake body asleep and eventually your body falls asleep and your mind mind remains awake. So what happens then? What happens when your body falls asleep? Technically, biologically, when your body falls asleep, it shuts itself down on on the level of the nervous system. So you basically become paralyzed and it's a protection measure so that when you dream, you don't act out your dreams. For example, if you if you're running from a bear, or I don't know, taking revenge and going on a kidding spree, uh, this paralysis of the body during sleep is there to make sure it's like a safety mechanism that you don't actually go on a kidding spree and start running from bears. Uh, basically, it's a safety mechanism so you don't act out your dreams in the physical. And uh, usually when you experience the sleep paralysis and we all have it every night without exception. I mean, yes, there's the exception of of sleepwalking, but we may or not may get into that. It's a fascinating phenomenon, but with the exception, with the exception of uh, sleepwalking or sleep talking in our sleep, most of our bodies are paralyzed, so we don't act out our uh, extracurricular dream activities. But what happens when our body falls asleep? And the usual paralysis kicks in, but our minds stay awake. That's where the fear kicks in because we sleep, we feel like we're paralyzed, we feel like we've lost control of our bodies. And the first instinct is to fight our way back into taking control of the body, reanimating it and moving it again. And that's exactly what we should not do. And I remember my first time encountering, encountering uh, this very scary sleep paralysis and the instinct was to, to fight your way back, like to do everything in your power to regain control of the body because you feel that if you won't do it, you're going to die. So when this happened, I just said to myself mentally, uh, it was quite like brave and stupid of me. I was very young back then. I just said to myself, it feels like I'm dying. It feels that if I'm not regaining control of the body, I'm going to just die because that's exactly what it feels like. And then I said to myself, I prefer, I declared to myself, I prefer to die than not to find out what lies beyond. So I declared my readiness to die if I can't move beyond and find out what's there. So the moment I made this declaration to myself, I, the same instant I just floated out of body and I was like hovering over the carpet in my room. Uh, that was my way of confronting the fear barrier. It's not the way, that's how I, I'm a bit like extreme and dramatic in <laughs> everything I do. So I made a, this pompous declaration that I prefer to die than not find out what's out there. But you can just calm yourself down and understand that it's just sleep paralysis. doesn't mean you die. It's something that happens every night. I didn't know all this stuff back then. I mean, you have to remember I was like 22 years old, 21, 22 years old. I didn't have any internet. I had no literature. I had no fucking idea what was happening to me. I didn't have access to Robert Monroe books or any books on the topic for that matter. So I was clueless. I was just playing it by ear. It was completely new to me. I had no idea what's going on. So I just had to improvise. But people who are exploring this nowadays have the advantage of being much better informed. So you don't have to go so dramatic and making like heroic declarations like, I prefer to die than not find out the mystery. You don't have to go so far. Uh, You just can calm yourself down and remind yourself that sleep paralysis is happening to us every night. It's a safety mechanism taken by the body so you don't uh, enact our dreams. And it doesn't mean you're going to die. Just surrender to it again surrender is a major keyword for most if not all so called spiritual practices. Uh even like power is essentially an act of surrender, but maybe that's the topic of a wholly different episode. Uh so basically you surrender to the state and you'll find yourself just magically uh free from the physical body and free to phase out and to explore. So there are what I'm basically saying is that there are much easier ways to overcome the fear barrier uh given the fact that there is so much more information available today it's just typical mechanical sleep paralysis is something that happens to us every night without exception and you don't have to fight it you will eventually come back from it But while you're there surrender to it and you just move past the fear barrier and start you know Punch your ticket and start traveling, basically.
0: I think it could be some connection to your emotional state because uh, in my teenage years it was worse, and then it decreased over time. And now it's been several years since I had it, but my body often does not paralyze when I sleep. So when I act out adventures in my sleep, I uh, wake up in pain because I, you know, hit the wall or I. Uh, at, at, it's also happened that I've uh, you know, attacked the person sleeping next to me and then as I'm doing it I wake up and I see that, oh, it's not the person in the dream, you know uh,
1: First of all, the my first conclusion is that uh, you and I should not sleep with each other because I tend to do the same things, I tend my body, after all these years of practice does not get to full paralysis anymore so I, I often like really fell out of bed, literally <laughs> and uh, I talk in my sleep almost every night and uh, sometimes it's loud that people can hear me from across the room and sometimes I even give like hour-long speeches in some weird language that nobody can understand and uh, sometimes I do speak with my hands. Uh, So yeah, uh, after years of doing this or maybe because of some slight genetic alteration, some people don't get into full sleep paralysis. However, uh, when I was 22 years old, I did used to get the sleep paralysis, at least when practicing out-of-body, and it was very scary in the beginning. Maybe it changes with time. I mean, everything changes with time. I'm going to go into the more advanced out-of-body techniques that you don't even really have to relax. You don't have to go through the sleep paralysis. You basically can move beyond all these uh, seemingly difficult techniques. There are much easier ways but let's start at the beginning. Uh, so uh, if you encounter sleep paralysis, just don't be afraid. Remember what you've heard in this podcast that it's a natural phenomenon. The body puts itself in sleep paralysis every night. It's not something new. It's not something you remember, but just remind yourself that it's a natural, naturally occurring mechanism and it's not, you know, the end or anything even remotely close. Unless it is, but even so, you're still gonna be okay. <laughs> so, uh, it's just a natural defense mechanism. You just surrender to it, and the moment you accept it, your mind stays awake, your body stays a- asleep, as it should be for not a body trip, and then you start to move yourself out. As simple as that. I had to be dramatic and heroic because I had no point of reference whatsoever. But uh, you guys who are listening are much better informed, and uh, you can spare yourself the heroics and just calm yourself by simple reason.
0: One thing we talked a bit about privately that I would like you to comment on publicly is uh, this concept of uh, going to sleep in in the, in the lucid dream.
1: Oh, that's like that's like hardcore shit. <laughs> um, oh, before we get into that, uh, I made a promise. Uh, the beginning of this podcast that I will share some cool hacks, some cool trick. Um, and it's about using the uh, the out of body vibrations that we talked about earlier, using them for very interesting purposes. I discovered this technique uh, accidentally. I even shared it, uh, I think, with some of us uh, in Amsterdam in 2014. I'm going to repeat it for uh, all your uh, listeners. Uh, When you manage to get to the level when you can reach the vibrations consciously, the pre-out of body vibrations consciously, uh, you can do a very awesome hack. You reach the vibrational state. You you are in sleep paralysis. You have reached the vibrational state. When you do that, you do not go out of body. You stay in the so-called in between. You stay with the vibration. And you start playing with them, you start modulating them, you start raising them, lowering them, you just start to control the level of the vibrations. And when you become a bit adept at controlling the vibrations without leaving your body, of course, uh, then you can do something pretty amazing. If there's something bothering you, uh, especially physically, like a physical problem or a mental problem, or even if you have a pain in your body that doesn't seem to want to go away, you just start playing with the vibrations and their frequency until uh, they match the frequency of the pain that you're experiencing. And the moment that the the out-of-body vibrations match the frequencies of the pain, something amazing happens, like a a phase cancellation. I don't really have the scientific lingo, but I can... I could could say it's like a phase cancellation, and the out-of-body vibrations are cancelling out the matching frequency of the pain, and basically the pain is gone. And it's almost, it feels like miraculous, but it can be, to me it sounds very scientific. I mean, you play with the vibrations that are happening inside you during this transition state, basically use the fact that your whole body vibrates, and you can control the frequency like raising it, lowering it, and you find the point where the frequency of the vibrations matches the frequency of your particular pain and when you have a lock they cancel each other out and the pain is gone this is an awesome hack that I've used a couple of times and uh, it's quite amazing when that happens
0: you mentioned also this uh, golden thread you might see when uh, you're in out of body like you always connected to your body with this uh, like thread?
1: Well, uh, actually the the thread is uh, not necessarily golden Uh, and uh, not everybody sees it. Some people see it, some people don't. But uh, often you can feel uh, that uh, you're trying to move away from your body and something is like holding you back. And it's usually the connection between your body and your physical body and your astral body. And in this case, you just have to to shed even the second body, which is connected to the thread, and just move on uh, in your third or fourth less dense bodies so you can move further.
0: It's like a leash. <laughs>
1: it's, it's basically like a leash. Uh, the body is basically programmed to call you back, to, uh, to try to convince you and seduce you that come back here, that life is right here, don't go away, don't leave me, because the body knows that it's you, it's your consciousness that animates it. And the body, of course, doesn't want you to leave, so it will scare you, it will seduce you, it will do anything in your power, in its power, to make it stay, to make you stay. That's why the body is going to try to cheat you into staying. That's why you have to cheat your body into leaving, basically. So it's a game of deception.
0: If you don't go back, uh, if you remain in this higher outer body, uh, would you like? Would your body? Would you be in a coma, or how would? Is that possible?
1: Uh, if you do conscious out of body, the chances of Dying or getting in a coma are are close to zero. I mean, people can get in a can be in a coma for other reasons, and they can have like amazing uh, dreams or travels between realities, and sometimes they don't even remember. Uh, but uh, if you go out of body, then the moment your body needs to go to the bathroom, then you're gonna snap back in an instant. No matter what, you know. <laughs> A reality or a galaxy or uh high density level you're visiting when you gotta go to the bathroom you gotta snap back in an instant
0: one question i have uh, that i uh, always think about is that you know you have a dream it's it doesn't matter if it's lucid or not but you have a very realistic dream and it everything feels so real and then when you wake up it starts to fade you know it doesn't it doesn't seem as real and it becomes like a fuzzy memory but when you've had an out of body experience does that happen the same or is it more clear as a memory
1: in my case when there's a proper out of body experiences with no with no breaks and pauses in consciousness it's like any other regular memory that i have and i'm not saying that regular memories memories are so precise and exact uh, the moment it happens we already start to color them with our projections so uh, astral travel memories are not that different but yes there are very much like so called real memories if there is no break in consciousness
0: so could you get back to that thing about falling asleep inside a dream
1: uh, that's like already we're talking about dimensional travel uh, we can travel uh, at least in two ways we can travel uh, to higher so-called densities uh, in the same reality and uh, we just move so-called up to uh, higher vibrations and more subtle bodies and densities and they're all populated by various type of beings and uh, most or many out body travels are just density travels uh, up and down the density scale and there are many levels across the various densities uh, and this often happens with proper standard out body explorations uh, without any breaking continuity. We just travel across densities. However, as I say in England, however, uh, sometimes we may travel simultaneously in densities and in dimensions. And dimensional travel basically means traveling to parallel realities other realities and there is like an infinity of them. Most of them, many of them are manifest. Some of them are not yet manifest from our temporal limited viewpoint. Uh, And we can end up in one of those realities. Uh, And uh, the trick that I found out is that there's like a rule of sorts that no matter what and where you explore, the tendency is to that you always wake up in the same place that you went to sleep. So, if you go to sleep in your bed, wherever you are right now, you can have like out of bodies and dreams and lucid dreams and interdensity and interdimensional travel. Eventually, you're going to come back to your bed where you went to sleep. However, if you find a particular reality, it's very much to your liking and you like to like spend time there to become so-called anchored in a different reality, what you have to do is find a bed and go to sleep there. So when you wake up, you're not going to wake up in your bed right now. You're going to wake up in that reality. And the thing is that that reality where you woke up, where you last woke up, is going to become your new base reality.
0: Yes. And when you do, when you go to bed in that reality I mean when you for the second time you go to bed can you have a break in consciousness?
1: Uh, yes but the chances of you returning to to your f- current base reality are very uh, slight, very small so what will happen in many cases is that uh, you just live out your life in that reality and when you die you're just going to return to reality you left right here which is what happened to me on at least two occasions I lived like life spans of between 50 and 60 years in a different reality and only to wake up here and finding out that only like 20 minutes had passed but for me subjectively it was like 50 or 60 years I know it sounds like science fiction or incredible but you know I don't have to prove my experience to anyone
0: so do you consider that that place where you lived uh, 60 years, do you consider that as, was it the real place or was it in your mind? How do you see it?
1: This place, is it real or is it in my mind? The same question exactly. Right yes. now, this this here is my best reality. So I have this uh, burnt belief that this is the real one. When a different reality becomes your best reality, the anchor switches and then you're anchored in that one and then that reality becomes your base reality, and this reality, you may remember it over there, but it will feel like a distant dream. Actually, when I had one of those whole lifetimes in another universe or reality, towards the end of my life there, I started to have glimpses that there's another life that I came from, and I started to look for it. I started to look for, you know, ways to go back and started to follow all sorts of urban legends. It was like really uh, not really worth going into, but uh, some memories started to emerge when I was nearing the end of my life there. And when I finally died over there, I woke up back in this base reality that I'm talking from with you right now.
0: Okay, so if I phrase the question differently, uh, if it was real or not, let me say like this then. Do you like miss some of the people you got to know?
1: Um, no, not really. I don't think I'm... And when I was there, I'm not going to miss the people. When I, when I go again to a different reality, if I go again, I will not miss the people here right now. Uh, it's just uh, your, your... I wouldn't call it your assemblage point, but your anchor changes so drastically from one reality to another. That uh, the other reality becomes like uh, irrelevant. Only when you re-anchor yourself, then this reality becomes relevant again. So uh, when my my anchor is no longer in the other reality, the whole longing and missing is apparently tied to where your anchor is. So once I no longer have an anchor in that reality, it will be very difficult for me to miss anyone from there. I remember. Who I met, I remember that lifetime almost. As well as. The morning after it happened, but to say that I miss anyone from there, I I can't really say that because I no longer have an anchor in that reality, like a dream reality, even though when I was there, it felt like the most real thing ever because my anchor was there. But now I sailed from one port to another and now I'm anchored here and now my base reality is here.
0: When you woke up after that life of 60 years somewhere else, did it take long to, you know, get on your feet or was it like uh, a shock?
1: Surprisingly, no. It was a shock, but uh, it all happens very quickly. The shock, the processing, and I've already been doing non-physical explorations for quite some years by then. So it was a shock, uh, especially the first time. And uh, the only thing I felt was the need to share it with someone. Uh, which I didn't have at the time but uh, I mean close to me in physical proximity but other than that the shock went away quickly and uh, I'm used to weird shit so uh, it just happened and cool it did help that uh, a few years later I I watched uh, some tapes of uh, I think it was uh, Star Trek The Next Generation and uh, something very similar happened in one of their episodes that Captain Picard was like trapped in some other dimension or whatever and he lived like a full life to old age and he died and returned to the Enterprise and to my amazing surprise it was very similar to what I had experienced a few years ago. So in a way to see on TV what you've experienced in real life, so-called real life, it was like a bit sort of validation or at least encouragement.
0: Is it possible for two people to somehow meet in an out of body experience?
1: Yes, absolutely. I've done this before, and I like. Uh, I'm, you know, I've experienced some awesome shit, but I also prefer to be skeptical and not to just jump into my experiences as, as if there's some absolute truth or something. So I like to also validate as much as I possibly can. So I. Arranged a few times with uh, a friend who also is also quite psychic and can go out of body. So at some point we had an arrangement. I was in in Canada and he was in Europe, and we arranged to meet out of body. And uh, we both took notes, and then we met again a few months later, and we compared notes of our meeting, and we both basically wrote down the same things. I mean the location and the topic of the conversation, the the scenery, everything was. Almost a hundred percent match, and it was not the only time, but it was like one experiment that we did on purpose to, to to see if the stories match, and they did.
0: So basically, these methods are like a financial threat to the British Airways and companies like that.
1: Uh, I wouldn't go that far, <laughs> no. And uh, and actually, this whole uh, out of body mechanic is. You don't have as much control as you would like to. I mean, you can, of course, be a super master and have total control. I, don't, I do not I not possess this kind of control right now. I mean, I cannot like navigate with that kind of precision that I can like go out of body to your room and you know, tell you how many fingers you're holding up. Uh, it's also very much driven by emotion Uh, a thought is usually not enough. Uh, The astral body also is affected by emotions. So it has to be something that, you know, just like life, if I don't really, I'm not really interested, you know, uh, to see how many fingers you're holding up. I mean, I couldn't care less, you know. So why should I travel? You know, why should I take this long distance flight to see how many fingers you're holding up? There's no reason just to prove something that I already know. I mean, it doesn't compute. And even if, if I wanted to, just for the sake of proof, uh, it can be easily mixed up uh, like in translation because you're observing it for a different density and the fingers can look different, the, the, the digits on the clock can look different. Everything looks a bit different when you're from a different vantage point. If you only slide your phase, the pictures is already starting to change. People expect that people who go out of body would be able to see the physical world in physical terms. It doesn't exactly work like that. Your perception is already altered by phasing out. So I'm not sure if you can see the exact digits or uh, at least in proper physical full HD resolution if you're just even a bit phased out. So all these experiments of trying to prove out of body, they can work, but only up to a point. Because perception from out-of-body will never really be fully exact and precise on observing the, the physical reality because you remember, you, you're observing it while being out of phase. you never be like phase-locked with a physical to give like a 100% fully accurate scientific report. It would be an approximation at best.
0: Are there any dangers that you would advise against uh, for people who want to go into this deeper?
1: Uh, yes. The, the, you, if you're afraid, then you're going to encounter dangers. If you're not afraid, then the dangers will just disappear, dissipate. Uh, especially on the lower astral, there are many entities who, it's like it seems like it's their hobby to just scare the shit out of people who are dreaming or are just starting out uh, doing out-of-body travel and there are some entities in the lower astral it's just their hobby and their like sadistic pleasure to torture and scare people who uh, are attempting to get out. So the trick is not to be afraid. Easy to say, I know, but uh, I, I came back to my, my own body in like <laughs> screams of fear when I was just starting out. Uh, it is scary in the beginning. You get used to it. You overcome your fears. You manage your fears. You realize that there's nothing that can really, really, really threaten you. And uh, once you lose your fears, then the so-called dangers that just dissipate. They look funny.
0: So if people want to connect with you somehow, you uh, what uh, what can you what do you offer and your what's your websites?
1: Uh, well, I said in the beginning that I. Uh, I've been a practicing shaman for 15 years, and uh, what I offer is um, shamanic repairs through shamanic journeys, and these journeys are quite different from out-of-body. They're not really the same thing. Uh, And I'm offering this shamanic services and shamanic counseling. Uh, You can check out my website. It's called uh, hermeticvision.com. You can check out the testimonials for people that I've worked with in the past and to get an idea uh, what the effects can be, even though the effects, they vary from person to person. Um, but people report great benefits. I don't even, I can't even claim to fully understand how it works. It's just that I'm doing the journey, I'm doing the proper repairs and I'm not even treating it, treating it as something mystical. If anything, I want to demystify the whole, uh, you know, psychic, shamanic uh, uh, narrative. Uh, I don't, I mean, shaman is just a word that people agree on, but sometimes I refer to myself as as a plumber, sometimes as a mechanic, uh, sometimes, you know, there's a pipe that leaks and it has to be uh, fixed, sometimes there's a missing piece in the installation that has to be replaced, so in that sense I'm more of a plumber than than a shaman. So I, I really want to demystify this concept. There's nothing mystical or supernatural about it. It's like a natural skill which happens to have been forgotten for by most people around today, but it's an ancient healing skill and there's nothing supernatural or mystical about it. It's completely natural. It's just common repairs done in a different realm so to speak. But they do affect the physical reality and there's nothing mystical or metaphysical or super mega spiritual about it. It's just a skill, some people are good doctors, some people are good engineers, that's one of my skills. I'm good at this, I suck at so many other things, so uh, I offer the stuff that I'm good at. So if you're interested, then you can check it out at hermeticvision.com, there are some videos and a lot of client testimonials, and if you're interested, you know how to reach me.
0: Well, thanks a lot for taking the time to be on the podcast.
1: Thank you so much. Uh, It's always a great pleasure to talk. Even, uh, you know, we should do it more often. (laughs) And uh, I think we will.
0: Go to hermeticvision.com if you want to find out more about Andrew and his work. Also, as we mentioned uh, early on in our talk, Andrew has appeared before on the podcast in episode 8, in episode 30 and 34, if you want to check those out. Now let's listen to Emily Cooper and the track Blue from the album Chapter One. If you like what you hear, URL your way over to emilycooper.bandcamp.com. Next week the topic is Carl Jung and Marshall McLuhan. Take it easy and if you decide to leave your body, make sure you are back before next Sunday. Freedom is in the mind. There once was a girl with the world in her hands Her dreams and her thoughts were for you A shattered illusion has played out her fate Now nothing is left She's blue